Welcome to Awards Radar, the podcast, a weekly discussion of the awards races, Hollywood news, and the films you should have on your radar. Here's your host, Joey Magidson. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Awards Radar podcast. Uh, Steve's still handling Emmy stuff and trying to get some rest in. I imagine the Emmy stuff is going better than the rest, but just don't want you to think that uh, we've uh, ditched him or anything. But it is, again, a uh, twosome. And uh, we'll be talking about a couple of movies that I've seen slash both of us have seen and uh, a couple of uh, news stories that are on our mind, as it were. But uh, first up, let's just uh, get the intros out of the way. Miles. Hey, I'm here. I'm glad to be gotten out of the way. There we go. That is kind of our lot in life. Um, uh, we're recording this right after I came back from seeing The Black Phone, which we'll talk about a little bit. The review should be up on the site. Um, by the time you listen to this, my Elvis review will be up, but thankfully for Miles, I uh, did not see it until after recording this. So he uh, doesn't have to reiterate the uh, complete needlessness of this biopic. <laughs> I'll just have to wait till next week to do that. There you go. I mean, it'll, it'll work itself out. Um, in the meantime, we have a couple of questions. Before we do that, though, Miles saw two things, one of which we can talk right off the bat because we're going to sort of be uh quieter about that um you saw cha-cha real smooth i did yes the uh the big was it sundance darling yeah it was it was the the big winner of sundance it just went to tribeca which kind of the less said about tribeca this year the better but it was the highlight of tribeca as well by virtue of there wasn't a ton else and yeah came out right at the right over the weekend in a very similar spot to i believe coda last year so apple has a template yeah, they've clearly got a formula, or at least they're trying to figure out what works for them. I mean, I think even they, I mean, and you have contacts that may or may not be able to back this up, but I'm sure they were taken at least a little bit off guard by just how well Coda did. Yeah, I mean, judging by the fact that their their phase two was completely different than their phase one. Yeah, very much so. And also, I don't know if they would have put it out in, Jan- in, in June. I think it was still a June release last year, like at the time if they had uh, thought in a full way that it would have done this. I think they hoped, but it, it, it didn't, it didn't really happen in the same way that they were, they were planning all as well. That ends well for them, obviously, but not right. Maybe not what they were intending, but yeah. So you, uh, you saw Cha-Cha. I did. Um, yeah, this one didn't really work for me. Um, I didn't dislike it. I think there's good stuff in it. Um, I think there's some good performances. I especially liked, um, is it Vanessa Burghardt who plays, uh, the daughter? Yes. Yeah. She's very good. She's great. And, uh, Leslie Mann, like it's probably the thing I've noticed her the most in that I've seen of hers in the last few years, but I don't know. I thought she, like she was playing down the humor of it. It was just very believable. And I liked that. Uh, um, I, I, I thought, I thought the, all the supporting characters to one degree or another, I'll say that. Like, did a very good job of being full-throated characters who, like, if the movie went off and followed them for an hour, I mean, maybe you not so much because you're, you're not as big on it, but you wouldn't necessarily be upset. They all feel like people who are living actual lives. Yes. No, they, they definitely feel all three-dimensional. I think there's a lot of sensitivity to it. There's some really effective, you know, little tender moments. But the overall thrust of the story and kind of what it was about just never really gelled for me. I found it kind of aimless at times. I thought this, some of the beats were very generic. Some of them were kind of cringy, I thought. 
Um, I did mm. not buy into the central quote unquote love story at all. Uh, I just the chemistry wasn't there for me, and it was just a weird dynamic the way it was written. Um, and I just found myself not really able to get past that. Um, you know, it's, it's not a movie I would ever begrudge anyone for liking. I'm glad that people are connecting with it. I don't think it's like terrible by any stretch, but it's just not one that I really vibed with. I'm guessing you didn't see his last film, right? Shithouse? No. Um, I'd be curious what you thought of that because it is a very similar vibe, but on a smaller sort of like still finding his way scale. And I think, I mean, I saw that one, so I'm in this boat that I'm mentioning right now. I do wonder how many people who really, really like the film saw Shithouse and like that one because that one did pretty well in terms of like indie critical acclaim. And this is the step towards the mainstream but still having the the awkward kind of cringe of it all because that movie is about he plays a, a guy at college and he's just not adjusting very well like he has like a like a, a bear with him it's not played really for laughs and has like kind of like an aborted hookup with um his his ra i think and then becomes like sort of friends but also maybe a will they won't they it, it's it's played in a way that this movie is is more a comedy than a drama but kind of zigzags between whether you're playing it seriously or not that movie does too but maybe a little less assured than this one so i do wonder if you had seen that one if it, this one would maybe work slightly better just because it would be a situation where you go all right this is this is more fully realized compared to what he was doing last time but this is clearly his aesthetic uh it's hard to say i mean based yeah. on your description of that first one i don't know that i want to see that one so if i had it's seen fine. it it might just lead I'm, me to not have I think I was more open to this one because I had no preconceptions of him going in. I don't know that I, I mean, it's also possible I'm not describing it super well. Let's see. Um, what well, they not say? even a in a plot standpoint, but, but more yeah. just, I don't really like his, I'm, I'm trying not to be critical of this guy. I barely know, but you mean just like his, the, the vibe he gives the, off as like, a I, I think it's performer? more the character, but there is something kind of off-putting. And I think that I found out about the character in general. Um, it, there are moments where he has this almost Tom Cruise level of intensity where he's just like focusing way too hard on someone while he's talking to them. And it gives, yeah, that's him. It gives that's the scenes this tension that I don't think is necessarily supposed to be there. Or at Fair. least they're not – that's not what the movie's about, of course. But it, there are moments where it feels like it could be. And it makes yeah. what should be a sweet relationship feel kind of weird and creepy in a way that I don't yeah. think is intentional. I, th- I think it might be slightly intentional. I think he's okay with both aspects. But I, uh, I, do, I do think some of the reason that it hits for, for more people than not, it seems, is because he's kind of a different leading man and a different storyteller. Like he's – you know he's an he's an attractive man. Like he could be the lead of these movies, but he plays them as very strange people, and leans into how kind of like off they are from the rest of the characters. Like not everyone. It would be a different thing if everyone in the movie or everyone in all of his you know all of his characters in both films were similar, and then it would just be like okay, this is this is the vibe. This is in the way that like every Wes Anderson character acts as if they're in a Wes Anderson movie. You know, there were, there were Tarantino characters are Tarantino written characters. They feel that way. Um, he sort of writes himself as this very sort of like alienated person. He almost writes himself as the alien, like visiting earth. Yeah. But at the same time, he also, at least in this one kind of writes himself as like, 
oh, he's also like really good at this specific thing and like making people feel good and comfortable and everyone feels like they can trust him and he's just the funniest guy. And it's just like, it, it, it's very navel gazing in the way that it's like, I'm lost and confused and can't figure anything out, but also I'm the best. Like it doesn't, it, it never quite committed to one or the other. I don't, And I don't know that his presence is that unique. It's very, you know, Woody Allen by way of Thomas Middleditch. Sure. I mean, I was about to say, what do you, not that this is the same movie, but what do you think of Garden State? I liked it at the time. I think time has not been super kind to it. It feels very hipstery and very of its time now. I, I don't mm. dislike it, but I think my love for it has maybe soured over the years. I wonder if, if, like, this had come out that same year, if it would have worked better also. Because it is of that sort of ilk. And, and granted, I, it, I still love It does love feel Garden like State. a throwback to... Because there were, used to be a lot of indie movies that were exactly this. and Oh, yeah. The guy who does a thing well, but is a little bit of a mess and has to find himself. and Like, and he's an underachiever, and he has... Yeah. Oh, my God. His freaking... The meat sticks that he works at is such a yeah. fake restaurant that you only see in a movie. <laughs> yeah. But I think that... I always like those things of just, like... Um, in the same way that, that, like, who do you know who works at a donut shop? But Sean Baker and Chris Bergach sure think people work I mean, at, at donut shops. And you're like, cool. I mean, I kind of felt the same way about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 I don't mind those. It's a, kind of the same thing we were talking about off air when I was, I was saying about movies that they have kind of plot holes. But as long as you don't notice it in the movie. It's not a big deal to me. Oh, no. It only matters not, if it takes you out of the movie. It's yeah, not it's like just a, a ding against a the movie. It's just one of those things where I watch a lot of movies, so I see that and be like, oh, yeah, you put up that logo in like 10 minutes in Photoshop and, you know, just put it on oh. a bunch of aprons and stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, still a, a fairly inexpensive movie, but we'll see how it does. Well, I'm gonna... you know, the money went to like the supporting cast and the music and stuff like that. It's... The money is there on the screen in the sense that it you can tell it's cheap, but that they spent the money on the right things. Totally. Which makes me curious what he does next. I think he's got a couple of things in, in the hopper. One's kind of a bigger, and I think oh, something else is kind of smaller. I think it's kind of like just seeing what happens with with this, because as we sort of mentioned, or maybe we didn't specifically, but I think with Apple has it and kind of dreams of it being this year's Coda. And, and while it probably won't be, it definitely has an angle at which it could it could be in play for for a couple of things if people are in the general audience as big a fan of it as the the like festival and, and critical crowd has been so far. Which is, I would say the the if they were doing a targeted campaign, which I mean I guess that's what Coda did and turned into more. Uh, you look at screenplay and supporting actress for Dakota Johnson just because I think she got the best notices of the uh, of the cast overall. Yeah, no, I thought she was good. I would love for one day to see her in a relationship with somebody who isn't a total shithead. Yeah, that does seem to be how they cast her. Um, <clears> although <throat> that said, I actually, I'll tell you what, I actually really liked the fiance. He felt like yeah, such I, a I, normal dude. Like in many ways, I thought he was like the most sympathetic character in the movie. It was a, it was a very good moment to me because I don't love those movies where you need like oh, this this great person is with this, like, shitheel of a human. You're like, oh, okay. That's a that's a movie trope to me. I yeah. do like when when the other guy or, like, what could be the enemy is like, he's, he's great. 
He's just as good. He's probably better for her. And oh, he's and so much better movie, for her. And that's like I kind of wish the movie was about him and him. Like you know, right. he's struggling to find that work-life balance, and he's working in Chicago, but he wants to make it work with the family. And then this weird, like, creepy, like, college grad is coming around his house and like hanging out with his family. I do, I do like that they that he plays it, and some of it's the performance, which is great. But also, I think the choice of having the character be like, yeah, this guy's weird, but like. The, the daughter really likes him. She He seems to be good for her. Like, I, I am in no way threatened by him as a romantic issue. So if this is somehow helpful to him as well, like, okay, like, I'm just going to I'm going to help out where I can. Because he has that moment towards the end where he's like oddly helpful when he doesn't need to be anymore. Like when he should be pissed at him. It's a, it's that's that's one of those moments that I, I mean, I like the movie on the whole a lot. But that's one of those things where I'm like, okay, this movie has has a point of view that you don't see in a ton of films. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't disagree with that. I think, again, some of it has to do with the execution that some of the moments where he's trying to be a super nice guy, I I don't know. I get like kind of an incel vibe where it's like, I don't know. I know that's, again, I know that's not what it's trying to be, but just there are moments where I like, I'm definitely getting the wrong emotions than what's being gone for. Yeah. I think he's I think <clears throat> I think my my interpretation is always like he wants to have the very very small like it's just the, the hint of it just so you're like oh this guy needs to get his act together before he mo- goes over that line and I think it just was closer to the middle of the line for you as opposed to just like you know you know when you when you're playing a video game and it tells you to adjust your screen so you can barely see the image yeah, I think that's what it's intending, and I think you're seeing it closer. Like, well, no, that's a that's a white bird. Like, I, it's it's fifty no, percent brightness. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Yeah, I know the innocence is intended, but I don't think it's necessarily came across. At least for me, that's fair. I mean, we we're on opposite sides of this one, but I'm curious what everyone else says. So, if anyone else uh, winds up seeing the movie, feel free to chime in. And uh, and let us know. In the meantime, um, <clears throat> let's go oh, and, a question real quick. Get... Just to be clear, I'm not advising that anyone not see this. I know my reaction to it is very specific. So, like, it is. I don't want anyone to think I'm saying it's a bad movie. If you're curious about seeing it, definitely see it and have your own opinion. Oh yeah, this is this is closer to a not for me than a like not for anyone type situation. Yeah, like I would not be upset. It's not a movie like Joker where it's like I think that people liking it is not a good thing. Like I can I can yeah. I would not begrudge anyone liking this movie. <clears throat> well, I mean, you know, when Joker 2 Electric Boogaloo comes out, you'll No, it's it's to... fucking Joker 2 Folly Adieu, which is the most pretentious yeah. title for a sequel I've ever heard in my life. Listen, you you're getting you're getting the the A Star Is Born sequel essentially by way of Joker. So God. What we'll a, what a world. We talked about that off air last week, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. We, we had a, a long fucking Joker conversation sequel about it. with Lady Gaga, and it's musical. Like, if you're into that, I'm so happy for you. This sounds like my nightmare. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, obviously, I'll see it, but I need to, I need to see something that suggests it's not going to be the same movie, but just a musical sequel. I don't know. Like, well, it's another I, Scorsese riff, but this time they're doing New York, New York. What a what a choice though. What a take, choice. <laughs> take arguably the second or third least seen Scorsese movie. Like the easy choice would be let's make Goodfellas and he's the leader of a gang now. Like that would be the easy yeah. thing. Oh, well, that's for Joker Joker three. Uh, Joker with me. <laughs> yeah, Joker's with a Z. 
Um, yeah, we'll get there. All right, Film Hulk Face Off. Thank you, Ryan, as always. At Ryan McDermott on Twitter, I believe. I never gave him. I ne- yep, I just want to make sure I gave him his uh, his props. Uh, Film Hulk Face Off. Which of these films, sorted from Joey's top best picture predictions, do you think you will prefer? Oh, interesting. Okay. Yes. So these are these are the still to be updated predictions, but this is totally fine for our purposes. Number ten, The Sun, or number nine, Armageddon Time. Um, that's hard for me to say. I still haven't seen The Father. I know I need to get yes. on it. It's it's in my list, but um, so I don't really have any frame of reference for Florian Zeller as a filmmaker. I mean, the cast is good, but I don't really know mm-hmm. much about it. Um, and then Armageddon Time, I have seen a few James Gray movies, and I, I, I like them well enough. I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan, but I, I like him when he's good. Um, yeah. I guess I'll say Armageddon Time, but that's not really off of much. Yeah, I'll say the same. I, I mean, I think it's hard to be a huge James Gray fan, but I, I tend to appreciate what he's doing. Um so, I mean, the son could be great. I, I thought the father was was good. I was on maybe a slightly lower end of the spectrum, but that was also just I I, I really was not in a wonderful place to watch a you know older man succumb to illness. wasn't my vibe at the time, but about as well done as it can get. So I'll say Armageddon time. James Gray's uh, Belfast count me in, but I wouldn't be shocked if it went the other way. Um, this one is actually. Didn't go 8-7 on purpose. Okay. <laughs> number eight, The Whale, or number six, Poor Things. Oh, man. I am very much yeah, looking forward to both of these. It would have been so much easier if he, if he, if he did seven. If he, if he split those up with the two we just did, this would be so easy. Or the next two. It would be very obvious. Okay. Um, I mean, The Whale I'm very much looking forward to because I've seen the play, and it's great. And I think it could easily be Brendan Fraser's Oscar movie. Um, and again, Aronofsky, when he's good, he's good. Uh, but poor things. Ah, Yorgos, like even the movies of his, I don't love. I'm fascinated by, and the idea of him yeah. doing like a Frankenstein style thing with this cast is pretty exciting. I think the whale could very easily turn out to be a better movie, but if I'm honest with myself, I'm probably looking forward to poor things more. Fair. I'm definitely looking forward to the whale more, but Poor Things is not far behind. I do, I do think you're right in that Poor Things could go in a lot of directions. I think Yorgos is also, I don't want to say due for a failure, but like at some point he's going to make something that doesn't click. Well, Again, I think that was Killing of a Sacred Deer. He just lucked out that it was think, between Lobster and uh, Favorite. I think this is the movie where we find out if it's in every other type situation it could be or if this is i'm also because i would think that the whale looks way more like an oscar movie than poor things does totally. out of the game i would i would also say we could extrapolate and say um dogtooth alps um the lobster killing of a sacred deer the favorite like every other one seems to hit and every yeah. other one doesn't alps is a have you ever seen alps i haven't no it's a tough set like it's not bad but it's it's even you know how like he's at his best with like a high concept that's really a low concept because it doesn't require anything but imagination. Yeah, it's this is like the lowest of concepts. <clears throat> it's basically you hire someone to pretend to be your dead relative. Okay, yeah, I've definitely heard of it. I just haven't. It's it, it's not bad, <clears throat> but if if you see it, 
<clears throat> I think seeing it now might be harder because of the other films, but I saw it coming off of Dogtooth and was like, all right, this is more mellow, but, you know, not bad. I think now it might play almost too dry. But, yeah, huge fan of Aronofsky's of the whale. So here's why he did 8-6, because 7-5 is White Noise or Amsterdam. Um, so we were just talking about David O. Russell off air. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Amsterdam has one hell of a cast. There's no denying that. And on its own, as its own thing, it does look like a pretty fun movie. Yeah. There is the David O. Russell of it all, but like, what do you do? Um, And then what was the other one? Um, White Noise, the uh, Noah Baumbach movie. I know it's Noah Baumbach. I know it's Adam Driver. But other than that, I think I know nothing about it. Yeah. Um, So uh, based on that, I'm going to go Amsterdam. Fair. Um, I'm going to go Amsterdam as well, just because I think David O. Russell tends to be more entertaining than Noah Baumbach. But, you know, obviously I preferred marriage story to uh joy but this could be they're both like obviously like prestige films that could go in in several directions yeah but yeah you're not you're not going in like super excited we also have seen like one picture from amsterdam and nothing from white noise beyond a netflix rep telling me that like it's a big movie it's it's like big scale don't think anyone's seen it yet kind of thing well i guess we'll see yep Babylon or Killers of the Flower Moon, four versus three. Ooh, this is a tough one, too. Um, Keep in mind, I may have just told you something about one of those two films that we'll keep off air. Yeah. um, (laughs) I don't know. Babylon, to me, feels a lot like Damien Chazelle, sort of in the kind of register that I enjoy him in the most. I thought you were about to say Damon Lindelof, and I was like, oh, God, that's a very different movie. Very different movie. Um, so, and that one has a great cast too. So that's very exciting. Killers of the Flower Moon though. I mean, Scorsese with Plemons, DiCaprio and De Niro, that could really be something. Oh, I'm going to give the slight edge to Killers of the Flower Moon because I'm excited to see another Scorsese movie that I like as much as everyone else. Fair. I think that works out well because I'm going to go Babylon by just a tiny bit. Um, for the same reason I've said a couple of times, I just, I think it'll be more entertaining and I may know a little bit more about that movie. Um, Killers of the Flower Moon is still very much a X factor, um, in that it may not come out this year for one, but also just what it's about is very sort of like still in the edit room. And it sounds like a movie that could still evolve a lot, but I, yeah, I, I, I just, I want to know what Scorsese we're getting. Are we getting – we're not going to get like – like, like not, not going to be Wolf of Wall Street, obviously. It's not a comedy. No, no. And like, but I, I, and like Goodfellas is very funny. But I'm not, I'm, I'll just lump them together for argument's sake. Like is this closer to The Departed? Which in that case, I'll be thrilled. But it seems like it's going to be a – not – drier is the wrong word, but much more of a bleak without the fun Scorsese. Like I don't know what the – I mean I hope it's not silence because I can't, I can't deal with that. But, you know, this could be maybe closer to, like, bringing out the dead by way of him doing crime, which could be interesting. Yeah. I just don't know, like, you know, I I, I do wonder how entertaining it'll be when all is said and done. I think, I think to some degree, 
not that this means we, anyone won't like it, but I think the reason is that Apple was because it's a tough movie to probably market and yeah. very expensive. Like there was enough there that Netflix coming off the Irishman and anyone else who wanted to be in his business were just like, Marty, is this the one? Which maybe means it's even better than we're thinking. Because keep in mind, studios and money people tend to be risk adverse. But it also might mean it's just a tougher film to pull off. And if even a little bit is off kilter, that could be interesting. Yeah. But it, not interesting necessarily in the like delightful way. You know what it kind of ma- makes me feel like? It's like an expensive Taylor Sheridan movie. Yeah, totally. A hundred percent. Which makes me now wish that Taylor Sheridan wrote Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah, it seems like it would be up his alley, no? Yeah, and like he's like, granted, I think Taylor Sheridan is a very solid filmmaker. I think Wind River is very well directed. But um, but yeah, like that, that, that hot moment of like him writing these like prestige, like crimes movies set in like Americana. Yeah, was a was a pretty, pretty solid moment because it was we weren't getting those movies. And like, we'll see what this is. Babylon, if it's if it stays true to what the the rumors and perhaps written word has suggested, it's going to be a very out there movie compared to what we've seen from Damien Chazelle, who I think, you know, some people were were joking, you know, at the time of like La La Land, he's like 35 going on 65. Like he's an old man in a young man's body, even though he was just coming off whiplash, like a like incredibly vibrant, like young man's movie. Yeah. This seems to be closer to that in terms of like the Hollywood debauchery being depicted as opposed to like the swoon of La La Land or the just like cold indifference of space. That is first man, which I know I like more than you do. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll go Babylon, but either way should be two of, I think the better movies of this year. Whoever wins, we win. Exactly. You hear that Predator and Alien? Which, by the way, might have an okay Predator movie this year. I, Dude, I hope so. I don't think there's... It looks fine. I don't think there's been a good one since the first one, I'll be honest. I, I Ryan will come back to your question in a moment. Um, Predator's great. Predator 2 is fine. Yeah, it's fine. I do it's not wonder... terrible, but it's not amazing. I, I think it's one of those movies where it probably should have been sillier, given yep. the fact that it's like... Also, I don't know how it plays now. I haven't seen it in a long time. Predator does blow away a lot of, like, urban Los Angeles residents, right? From memory, yeah. Yeah, it, I don't I don't know that it's, like... It's a very 80s movie. Yeah, well, and I also think movie? Danny Glover's fine, but he doesn't, like, fill in for Schwarzenegger the way you would want him to. No, it's it's I, I like Danny Glover is kind of doing his lethal weapon vibe. Yeah, which that, I don't it, think is as interesting as the original. Yeah, like I'm, here's this expert super butch band of marines. Now here's the monster that's going to take them all out like they're nothing. Yeah, I'm too old for this shit. Doesn't super apply when it's like, well, this is an alien. You've never seen this before. You should be more engaged. Um, and then the less said about both AVP movies, the better. And then um, Predators is the is the Roger uh, Robert Rodriguez produced one, right? Yeah, with like Adrian Brody doing a Batman voice and Topher Grace as a serial killer. I, I did kind of like the Topher Grace, like oh, he's a serial killer at the end, uh, but that was no, that was so it awkward. Was, <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of appreciate the awkwardness because the rest of the movie is fine. Like there was a couple of interesting scenes. I think I seem to remember it having like a. It reminded me more than I was kind of hoping for of like Jurassic Park 3 
I was like, this is yeah, I, sort I of gives me what that. I want. I could see that for sure. I think it's. I don't. I don't dislike Predators. Predator Two and Predators are kind of in the same boat for me, quality wise. They're both yeah. fine, but neither of them are even a patch on the original. Exactly. Prey seems like it's trying to be closer to the original. It feels. But... It feels like it's closer to the tone, and then yeah. the Predator is just a massive piece of shit. I uh, that the highs and lows there for me. I tried to. No, I think I revisited so it once. It's like offensively I, bad. In the moment, I kind of liked it revisiting it i didn't like it nearly as much um it's just it's it's very unsure of what kind of movie it should be so it tries to be a lot of movies well it's got too the many moment, ideas and i don't think shane black is as good at this blockbuster stuff as we wish he was i think if he had written it and not directed it maybe there might have been someone else to just be like well this idea let's lean into this idea let's let's kind of get through yeah it's it's and, it's the kind of movie that needed like or maybe it was like workshop to death. I don't know. I don't know what the story is, but that I know, yeah, that, that's also possible. I also know that like several people on that set were unhappy. Well, for a variety of reasons, yes. Yeah. So, like, I mean, go back to my Olivia Munn conversation. Like, we don't actually reference that movie, but like, you know, she talks a lot about like things that have gone on in her life and being as miserable as you are on the set of that movie with so many people who are like happy, fun, comedically inclined people. I can see where that would just be like, this is not turning out the way we want. And that could also just like cast a pall over anything like in anything in life. If you're, you know, think of your your significant other or a friend, if you're really excited for something and they're not, it can bring it can kind of cast a pall over what you're doing anyway. You know, yeah. I don't want to do this anymore. And and if this is a like hundred million dollar movie and a quarter of the cast is like, I don't want to be making this anymore. I got a weird vibe going on here. That's just not gonna not gonna work it's not gonna translate um, exactly and and um like i said prey looks fine i will say and then we'll get back to the question because i know people didn't come here for predator chat but so alien versus predator i remember just being like lame and antiseptic and and whatever do you recall the lead up to alien versus predator requiem very faintly it's been a while i just remember the it being like, oh, we're gonna make an R-rated movie. Like, we're gonna really see the Predator in action. Oh, yeah. Well, and then and it's there just was like a, a movie that's like they just didn't get any lighting equipment for, and it all takes place at yeah. night in a warehouse. And it's like cool. Oh yeah. <laughs> so the so the the Red Band trailer almost made me optimistic. It's worth looking up because they basically just take every kill in the movie, and the kills are pretty gnarly. But it's also just such a cruel movie. Yeah, it's it's um, closer to what you want than the first one is, which is just like but a PG no thirteen, of, like sanitized nothing. But yeah, it's a Paul W. S. Anderson movie. But then the um, second one has better ideas, but way cruder execution. So you exactly, just, you, it, you don't get to appreciate any of it. Oh, it either it either needed someone who actually knows Predator, or somebody with an idea to do something different with it. Because the idea of just like, well, what if the Predator was was just kind of like killing everyone. The aliens were, were, were killing everyone and just humans were died a lot. You're like, okay, but is there a story? You're like, no, not really. And I'll, and I'll never, I'll never get over that. Like scene with the, is it the pred alien? Yeah. At that point that walks into like the, the, the oddly like abandoned hospital, except for all the pregnant ladies and just like, does the like kill impregnation on all the pregnant ladies? Yeah. That's a, that's a choice right there. Yeah, that's where I was like, okay, this is just a mean movie now. Like, I get 
going dark. You know, there's plenty of movies that don't spare people. But that that was just like, you don't think of these as human beings. They're just fodder. Yeah. And that's that's not the spirit. Like, that's like to get back to Predator before we end. Like, they all felt like human beings. They were superheroes. But, like, that's where that first act of Predator is so important. You get the, like, rah-rah macho bullshit of it to be like, okay, these guys are people. Here's their relationship. They all feel invincible. When they start getting picked off, you, you feel it as opposed to just, I don't want to watch this anymore. Yeah. Um, and of course, this is the lead up to She Said or The Fablemans. <laughs> naturally. Two of the classier movies we'll probably see this year. Well, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad we got there so naturally. Yeah. Um, she Said I know will probably be a good movie, but I anticipate that it will be probably a tough watch. Um, if done right, it should be. If done right, it should be. Well, I'm imagining a, like a spotlight kind of sweet spot where it's like you feel the weight of it, but it's also like engaging as a movie. Yeah, yeah, you don't need it to be. You, you don't need to intercut it with scenes of like Harvey Weinstein jerking off into a pot. No, like no. we don't need that. The, or, like, the, the implication is far more unsettling. Totally, like Spotlight and the Assistant meets all the president's men. Like that's the movie we want. Yeah, so that could be really good. Uh, Fableman, same thing. It's you know Spielberg's Belfast. I'm sure. Um, the casting of Seth Rogen, I think, is kind of intriguing because I feel like Spielberg wouldn't like take a chance on him unless he's like. Uh, uh, this guy can deliver what I'm looking for. So for sure. um, I uh, I think they'll both be good. I think I'll probably enjoy She Said a bit more. Um, same. I think Fableman's has a chance Maybe to Maybe enjoy be... is the wrong word, but I think I'll... Yeah, yeah. Well, once we know what Fableman's, like, thing is, is it this, like, real uplifting, hopeful, like, here's how an imaginative young man becomes a movie maker? Or is it a little more more melancholy and like, remember how I've made a career out of movies about having issues with my dad or not having my dad around? I might be finally tackling that. I, you know, we'll see. Like Belfast became more entertaining than we thought, even though we weren't prepared for that. We prepared for a heavier movie. She said we're prepared to be heavy. Yeah. Um, so we will see. I'm, I'm optimistic either way. Um, now... While I pull up the uh, the other question, because I'm having trouble finding it, um, can you tell me what you thought of Lightyear? I gave my thoughts last week. Let's talk a little bit about Lightyear. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I thought Lightyear was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Um, visually speaking, I think it might be one of Pixar's most impressive. Um, but also, like... It's one of those movies, and I, I tweeted about this briefly, but I, f- I feel like it's worth getting into a little bit, where it's the difference between story and plot, right? Uh, mm-hmm. The story of this film, you know, the emotional through line, if you will, is very generic, very predictable, very, you see everything coming a mile away. The plot and the specifics of, like, how they, you know, get through that journey and how, um, you know, certain details sort of transpire i think it was sort of the more interesting side of things i mean it's heavily borrowing from sci-fi films like interstellar or gravity or star wars or 2001 but uh, at the same time it's sort of it feels like pixar's take on like a marvel film or a star wars or what have you um Mm -hmm. i've seen a lot of people saying that they're disappointed with it and i think a lot of potentially unfair comparisons to the toy story films are being made 
Um, yeah, it's not a Toy Story movie. No, not at all. And I, it, they're not trying to do the same thing. I think, Buzz like I think Lightyear is very much, you know, it knows what it wants to be. It wants to be like a fun, sort of breezy, you know, sci-fi action thing. And I think on that level, it absolutely works. Um, but I think if you are looking for, you know, the emotionally wrenching moments of a Toy Story, you're not going to find them here. There's one montage in the first half of the movie that <coughs> is very classic Pixar. And it's yes. very, you know, vo- shades of the opening from Up, but it's doing a different thing. Yeah. Um, that I thought was really well done. I think Socks the Cat is a scene stealer and totally... Oh, Socks is amazing. Like, that to me is... Because, you know, the actual logic of this being the movie Andy saw to inspire him to get a Buzz story, like, that falls apart under the slightest scrutiny. But um, the biggest part of that being that there's no fucking way Socks the Cat wouldn't have been a major staple of his bedroom. Yeah, yeah. They they, they almost outclevered themselves by being like, we all want Socks now, but wouldn't have Andy? No, he just wanted Buzz. Yeah, apparently he modeled his whole life after just this one character in this diverse movie with interesting supporting characters. Also, I would say, again, this will come into play when we talk about the other movie in a minute. Um, You know, in the moment, you're not really worried about it, so it's fine. But like the whole, without getting into overt spoilers, because while it did make a lot of money, it didn't do as well as people thought. Um, The Emperor Zerg of it all, that probably would have come up as opposed to just being like, Zerg is the villain. You know, throughout, like, the Buzz Lightyear story going forward in the movies, in the Toy Story movies. Yeah, Zerg is probably the part of it that, like, syncs up the most poorly with what Toy Story has told us about the characters. Uh, yeah, like well, being an interesting got... narrative choice for this. Well, that's the thing, because he doesn't really look like what we think of as Zerg at all. He's purple, and he's got the face and the gun, and that's literally it. But... Right there's a twist behind sort of who he is and what he's about that I think was actually really interesting and sort of really well handled. And it gives this extra sort of darkness to the second half of the movie that you're not necessarily expecting. So I think it's a movie where it's not doing anything revolutionary, but it's still like you're in the hands of very capable storytellers and, you know, they're creating moments that, that absolutely work. It also had probably my biggest laugh in a movie this year which was uh, the scene with the robot who's bad at giving directions. Huh. <laughs> I, my, my sides were splitting on that one. That, that and Socks. Socks was great. Well, funny. the whole, you know, I bought you five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Every time Socks, like, basically has a new gadget, you're just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Yeah. No, he's um, super good. Socks is fantastic. Um, also, I will give the movie credit. It's, uh, and I think I mentioned this. I don't remember if it was on air or off air. It's basically going to create a whole generation of sci-fi fans because it's basically a beginner's like hard, hard sci-fi movie. Oh, absolutely. And I'm thrilled for that. I, I, I'm a little disappointed that it didn't do as well as anticipated. I think maybe putting the last three Pixar's in a row straight to streaming probably played a factor there. But there's I'm yeah, sure it definitely stuff. it definitely got people in the mode of like, oh, it'll be at home soon. Yeah, exactly. Uh, And I think too much of the target audience for that is, I think, honestly, it's more film people that would have seen it opening weekend than like, you know, kids and their families necessarily. Totally. Because like I like I had said, it has arguably more to do with Interstellar than Toy Story. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually a very interesting way of simplifying one of the elements of Interstellar. Not that you can't understand Interstellar, but this is done in a way that like children will understand what's going on while still 
being an adult-themed, like, science fiction preference, especially in the first act. Yeah. No, it's... So, yeah, a lot of the, the plot stuff sort of... It goes in directions that you wouldn't necessarily expect. You know, they're classic sci-fi staples, a lot of them, but they're used here in an interesting way. Um, I will admit I was a little worried in the first scene where it's literally just Buzz Lightyear walking around saying all of his catchphrases in a row. Yeah. <laughs> like he gets in there get like, out of the way. Yeah, but boy, do they like it's kind of, you know, you have an action figure who every time you press the button, you hear a different catchphrase. It's like someone's holding the action figure and they just keep pressing the button over and over until you get all his classic well, lines. Yeah. It's like if they did the, the, the Woody movie and then there was an actual snake in his boot. Oh yeah, totally. No, I mean, I know they have to do Which that. It was, do it's just a little yeah. disarming to have it all like flying at you immediately as opposed to Fair. sort of being layered in. Um, but, totally. but obviously that's, you know, also <laughs> I just on a humorous logical note, I do take issue with a lot of like the way Star Command runs. Like yeah. first and foremost, like the name tags being actual stickers. Like I know that's a thing from Toy Story or whatever, but like that's a bad system. <laughs> that's that's yeah, not a, a good bit. way to do that. <laughs> also, they seem fully ill prepared for him to ever come back. Yeah, like they had no idea what was going to happen. Yeah, like every four years or whatever, this guy comes back and like you know they're. They're just living their lives like, oh, yeah, that's a thing that's happening. Yeah. Like, if he gets well, it, what are they going to do? Totally. But it goes back to, like, in the moment, totally fine. Yeah. Afterwards, also, you start to go, like, well, they give him a gun that only has three bullets, which is, you know, it's kind of a movie thing where you don't want your character using a gun too much. But, like, yeah, come on. <laughs> movie movie guns either have all the bullets or not enough. Yeah. That's the only way it works. Um before we wrap up on our last question, which is a follow-up to when we did uh, last week or the week before, I'll talk a little bit about the Black Phone, which we'll probably talk more about next week because I'm sure Miles will be seeing it this weekend because it's a sketchy horror movie. It's pretty much made for him. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's good. It's closer to a thriller than a horror for me. Like, there's a couple of jump scares, but and obviously, like, the premise is horrifying. But in execution, it's more like got almost like a panic room vibe to it. Okay. Um, yeah, like, so in the moment, it all works. After the fact, there's a lot of things, like we were talking about with Lightyear and with some other stuff, where I'm just like, well, um, some of it is like, so the, the the plot, for those who don't know, is there's a there's a guy in, I think it's the 70s in, in Denver, who's uh, snatching kids, teenage boys. Um, they call him a grabber, because, you know, good enough. Stephen Hawk, he's very creepy. He's having a real blast. Um, they do a very interesting thing in that they really don't explain him. I, I'm fine with that. Like, I don't need to know that he's like was diddle as a child and now is like a serial killer or whatnot. Just, just be a creep who grabs kids. That's fine. Um, and I do like that the kids swear a lot. Like, it has a Stephen King vibe to it. Okay. It's kind of it's it, it's it's got a little bit of like, what if it wasn't about like a monster, but it was like a human monster? I found that pretty interesting the 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 supernatural stuff not so much for me honestly the 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 phone calls with the dead kids like instructing him is fine the subplot of his sister basically having dreams that come true so it's kind of like able to see what happened with the other kids and is looking for uh how to figure out how to save her brother i mean without spoiling anything like is kind of irrelevant to the plot of the movie by the time you get there so i uh it almost feels like it's more just padding out the plot, but it's not a huge deal. It's it's well done. Ethan Hawke is a, is a, is a highlight. 
and it's very, very um, technically proficient, which I like. The the feels very seventies. The design of the of the sort of like dungeony room that he's kept in is pretty good. Um, it's simple. It's simple and efficient, which is kind of funny that they waited like almost two years to debut it because it doesn't feel like amazingly cinematic, but I think it has a chance to do pretty well. could also fall through the cracks, but like if people see it and like it, you know, it'll, it'll do fine. I, I was, I was satisfied, I think is the way to put it. It doesn't do anything more than you're expecting it to do. It just is a good version of this movie. Cool. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. 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 We'll, we'll hold back on more until you see it. Cause then we can sort of get into what actually happens, but yeah. Um, don't be any less interested in seeing it is what I would say. Cool. All right. Cave Flea 208 wraps us up. Do you like this individual's work better as a director or an actor? Yeah. Let's get into it. George Clooney. Um, I think I have to go. It's got one movie. It's got one movie directed that's so good that it makes it a harder choice than you than it should be. Yeah, I think you still have to go actor because, you know, he's been a grade A movie star for decades and he's really good at it and he's always been really good at it. Um, yeah. As a director, he primarily makes solid films. He did make Good Night and Good Luck, which is undeniably great, great yeah. um, but it's the only one. And the more films he directs, the more it kind of feels like a fluke. So I think uh, I have to go actor with him. That's fair. I do think it's it's interesting that if you ask me what my second favorite George Clooney directed movie is, it's probably um, The Tender Bar. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like it's fine, but it's not like anything amazing. It's not better than his it, performances and like Up in the Air or no. From Duck Till Dawn or whatever you like. No, 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 no. Like his direction and writing are terrific and good night and good luck. And everything else that he's made, if there's a really good aspect of it, it's something other than that. Like, you know, the tender bar's best part is Ben Affleck. The, um, you know, performances within The Monuments Men, which is a mess of a movie. You know, like the things that work seem to work not necessarily in spite of him, but, you know, not necessarily because of him. But yeah, direct, uh, actor all the way there. Sidney Pollack. He is a good actor. Like, whenever he sh- would show up in things, you would always sort of, you know, perk up and pay attention. His specialty is very specific. Yeah. Like, he's the guy who comes and explains things. But he's Like, very the role he plays in Eyes Wide Shut is the epitome of the Sidney Pollock role. Yeah. Or I always think of him as uh, Michael Clayton's boss. Like, yep. just the very, like, matter-of-fact, like, down-to-business, like, I'm going to say all the lines in the trailer that let you know what the stakes are kind of performance. <laughs> He, he's literally like, okay, we have a lot of exposition we have to get out here. Who's literally the best person in the world at making this not sound awful? Let's get Pollock. That said, he's directed a bunch of really great movies. Um, it's, it's a close one. It is a close one. I think I lean director with Sydney. Yeah. I think Tootsie and Three Days of the Condor, Condor probably get it there for me. Yeah. Didn't, didn't sort of like rap in the best way in his career, but he also passed, you know, early. Yeah. I mean, 73 is not like early, early, but he was still working right up, right, right up until the end. Like he was, he had more planned. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but yeah, very, very good at both. So that's, that's, that's no sort of shade on him there. For sure. Um, yeah. I actually, I very much miss 
like the there's there, six movies a year. You're like, you know, Sidney Pollock would have been great in like this one role right here. Yeah. Oh, totally. Just because of like, especially that that thing with the explaining away this nonsense he, part of the movie. He would have been great in the Michael Keaton role in Spotlight. Totally. And that's that's a fuller role than that, but same idea. I uh, I remember there was a story Kevin Smith tells about Live Free or Die Hard that he sort of wound up writing on it by accident because when they got to his scene, apparently they skipped sort of all the exposition throughout the movie. So like, oh, we just have this. This has to be an exposition dump. And he's like, oh, great. I'm that guy. Can I like write this so it doesn't just sound like we're getting it out of the way? And in lieu of that, if you just need to get it all out of the way, you need a Sidney Pollock. Yeah. To like not be like, okay, we're stopping the movie dead for five to ten minutes because I need to explain to you what's going on. That just is unacceptable. And, and you know, he would have been great at that. Um, next up, Joel Edgerton. He's really good at both. Um, the Gift in particular, I think, is a really great uh, directing effort from him. Um, the Gift is the Gift is solid. Uh, that said, he just he has more work to his name as an actor, and he is a really good actor. I love him in yes. Animal Kingdom. I love him in It Comes at Night. Um, he's really good in The Gift. Um, there's so Warrior. many Warrior. He's amazing in. Yeah, oh, he's so good to work. Warrior is, I think, my favorite performance of his. I, I would probably agree with that. I can't think of any off the top of my quick, head. Given a quick look, as I do, because he's been acting a long time as a just that guy. Um, and was kind of almost the that guy in Warrior. He was just coming off Animal Kingdom. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, that was the year he kind of, not broke out, but you started paying attention to him. Yeah. And he's he's good in Zero Dark Thirty in that small role. We talked about this with Chris Pratt, I think, a week or two ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, like he's good. He's the believable soldier guy and he often gets brought in to be you know the believable or sympathetic marine or whatever like he played that character in uh the thing prequel thing yeah that movie that was incredibly forgettable at best but and yeah like, I'm, you I, know what it's ahead. funny that we didn't really mention loving yeah he's good in loving he's good in um underground railroad yeah i mean um to some degree it's funny, Boy Erased is maybe, like, not his best work on either side, and that kind of makes it an easier choice for me, even though you're kind of rewarding the... I, I, whatever, he's he's fine in it. I just... That movie should be so much better than it is. Well, I think that's why it's not really close to for me, because his acting accomplishments are just so much greater. Like, he's directed The Gift, which is, I think, very good, um, yeah. and Boy Erased, which is just fine. Sure. Well-intentioned, but not very compelling yeah just the 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 most base model version the toyota camry of that premise yeah oh god okay yeah because just like this this should make me angry or passionate or anything and just kind of sit there going okay this is fine kenneth Branagh. talk about big swings in both directions no i know like he's like regardless of what he's doing he always goes for it and i have massive respect for him because of that and he largely knows the assignment. Like when he's in crap, he has fun with crap. Yeah. I think I probably enjoy him more as an actor. I think as a director, yes. like the big swings are very enjoyable. But when he misses, boy, does he miss. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm not his his bigger films have not hit for me. 
by and large. Whereas even aside from as an actor, office. even if he's in some crap like Wild Wild West or whatever, like he's still going for it. Totally. He is having he's having fun there in a way that I'm not sure he's having fun with directing like Death on the Nile or Artemis Fowl. Oh, Fowl. I, I, I almost regret not talking to him about that when I interviewed him because like, I know it's not what he wants to talk about. But I that's closer to like if I had gone to like one of those in-person events where you have a couple minutes it's like I'm not going to write about it. I have no like ill will towards you. But like what was going on with that movie? Because he might just be like, oh, bloody hell. That was a, you know, I, 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 like, I would he, like to hear him talk candidly about it. I think that would be a really interesting conversation. Yeah. I, I, what was it like the day you put ear, ears on Judy Dench? You know, that's uh, it was a choice. Uh, Greta Gerwig. Yeah, because Brando's an actor. I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah. Uh, Gerwig. Oh, that's pretty close because I do like her as an actor. But like her directing credits so far are pretty, you know, you sit up and take notice. Yeah. Um, I'll go director with Gerwig. Little Women especially I thought was just such like she made a, a – uh, story that's defied adaptation for years look effortless and that's not for nothing see i'm on the flip side because i'm with uh, in terms of director because i'm on i'm on uh ladybird but i will still go with her as as filmmaker i'm gonna cheat and say filmmaker because she has a couple of movies with um noah Baumbach that are good yeah Obviously, yeah she, for uh, sure Fran- she gets she is essentially co-directing um francis Han and mistress america even though they're not though she straight up did co-direct Swanberg movie? I forget what I forget which one, but like early on in the Mumblecore, which made it kind of interesting that she was getting like first feature stuff occasionally. Um, Warren Beatty. Um, I need to see more of his classic stuff. I know. Out of the stuff I know, though, I'd probably go actor. He just had that charisma about him. Yeah i I do wonder how much I'm poisoned by rules don't apply sure which i just did not care for in the slightest and felt like was oddly like religious and judgy it's like i don't know what you're doing sir um obviously he's a legendary like leading man actor um but i'm trying heaven can wait and reds there is much his filmmaking as his acting um so that's kind of like a push to me dick tracy i i i haven't seen it since i was a kid I probably would like it a lot more now. Um, Bullworth, I like. Rules don't apply. I don't. I. I guess. I guess. I guess acting because he acts in the movies he directs. So there's, you're not losing anything there, right? Uh, Orson Welles. <sighs> probably actor because he is. I mean, Citizen Kane is obviously like, you know, one of it's, the most fundamental films of all time. Uh, it's that peas commercial, right? I mean, there's something about that, isn't there? Um, I frozen peas. I forget. I I forget exactly what's going on in it, but like, Jesus, it was. God, did he go for it in that fucking commercial? Which he clearly didn't want to be doing. Well, but that's what I mean. Like, you know, he's Citizen Kane is a masterpiece. Touch of Evil is a masterpiece. Outside of that, he was so compromised as a director, like just in terms of studio interference and not often getting to make the movie how or what he wanted it to be, that it's almost harder to judge him as a director outside of those two 
but it's just that the two he got right are like two of the best films ever made. Um, that's fair. But that said, he is so entertaining as an actor, kind of the Brana thing where it's like he's captivating when he's good, but he's very entertaining when he's bad, too. So, yeah. like, he goes for it in fucking Transformers the movie, you know, <laughs> his uh, his his best work remains when the camera stop when they call cut on that piece commercial, though. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. The The way he delivers. What was it? get me a jury and show me how you can say in July and I'll go down on you or whatever it was. Like, just like the way he explained the dismissiveness of like, I'm so right. You're so wrong. I don't want to be doing this, but you're paying me so much money. You should hate him. But in, in fact, you're just like, no, go off King. It's amazing. Well, it's <laughs> I like, I, I don't know. Term, Did right? you see, um, it was a, um, it was like a Twitter thread that, uh, went around like a couple weeks ago where somebody was just sharing like, clips of interviews with him where he was just like shit talking all the other big name like directors and actors of his time no but that sounds great because i there's that documentary um hopper wells mm-hmm. that's just a long conversation between two of them and i didn't care much for it because i was like i need more than just listening to two like people on alcohol and drugs talk to each other but um yeah he's he's a fascinating human being and so I think that that sort of pushes it as well, because he's more interesting as a persona than he necessarily is as a totally. filmmaker. All right. Here's there's going to wrap up on two of them. They're going to maybe be difficult. All right. First up, Clint Eastwood. <sighs> it's tough because nowadays are you, are you impersonating him now. <sighs> <sighs> Something racist. I don't um, want to be doing this anymore. No. <sighs> I look older in my older movies than I do in my most recent movies. What's going on there? Yeah. Yeah. Elder abuse, I assume. Um, uh, yeah. Like nowadays, you sort of have to think of him in terms of directing just because that's what he's done so much more of in the last few decades. But has he really done any directing in these last few movies? I mean, but that's what he's prioritizing as opposed to acting. He'll act in some of True. them, but like how many movies the past decade alone is he like just farted out that he's not on screen for well that's that's the thing they're just they're so i mean he's been in the last couple that he made actually but like he it it for all the money it seems like he doesn't care anymore like no he's kind of got that ridley scott thing where he'll do a big movie and it's like it's got a professional filmmaker's polish but there's not really any enthusiasm behind the telling sort of i would even argue the the last couple ones like the mule and cry macho have a lot of scenes that like clearly are first takes and and we shouldn't know that and i mean part of it is obviously we know the you know his his vibe is you know i'm done at four like if i don't need to shoot a second or third take i'm not going to but some of these things just like also like camera placement and and, and line of sight are just like not great i know it's not a huge deal and like, especially you've got the cred that he does, like he can do whatever he wants and nobody is necessarily going to a Clint Eastwood movie without that knowledge in their head. But right. it's so hard to judge because so many of his films they directed that are great are great. And I think he, he's a limited actor. Like he would, I'm sure, acknowledge, I mean, he might punch me, but like, I think he would have to acknowledge that he's far more wide ranging as a filmmaker than as an actor. Like. He's come he's come a long way as a you know an older actor because he's embraced these roles but like he was kind of one note for much of his career. 
So it's you want to go director, but you also really don't want to acknowledge some of the just like the garbage he made. I think that's where I'm at is just like he's definitely directed more than he has acted over the past like decade or two. But most of the films are like not especially memorable or interesting every now and then like a few of them will come up and it's just like oh yeah jay edgar that was a clint eastwood movie why wasn't that anything because uh, it sucks but that's exactly it you can do that with half of them remember Invictus. Yeah, but then like remember you yeah. know what's the one where matt damon can see tornadoes or something hereafter hereafter yeah like invictus only notable because i saw it with um your former uh, lady dana oh really <laughs> what a blast from the past yeah when she was in new york for a brief moment that was the like, oh, you guys should do something together because she doesn't know anyone. We went to see Invictus. Oh, I would have re- recommended you see something better. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know why that was the one. I'll, well, but I'll then again, never know. when I was in New York, like we went to see Duplicity. So wh- who are we to say? That's true. And when I was in Chicago, we planned to go see the Virginity hit. The what? We were going to go. We saw the town. I remember we saw the, the town. town. But what was if the you virginity recall, hit? That was the found footage, like, comedy sneak preview we're going to go to until, I guess the statute of limitations are run out on this. We got outside and underage people asked me to buy them alcohol, and then we went to their party instead. Oh, well, I mean, that definitely tracks with how we spent that weekend or whatever it was. But um, That's true. The virginity hit. Like, did that, did it come out? <laughs> Barely. I have the DVD. It is... Let's 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 go down this rabbit hole for a hot second, just because it's not a good movie. We we definitely made a better decision for multiple reasons, actually. Um, or did we? That's this was at a separate time that I was dating Dana. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For yeah. the record, yeah, no, there there were there were years in between. This is 2010. There's nine. Yeah, yeah. This is ten like, or nine. God, like well over a decade ago. Yeah, this is actually um, the directors um, who I believe wrote the uh, the last Exorcism. Huh. Hut, Baco, and, and Andrew Gerland. I feel like they did. It was produced by Adam McKay and Will Ferrell. It stars nobody that we know. The film itself is a series of videos on a teenager's, teenager's attempt to lose his virginity being recorded from cell phones to video cameras. And we were, um, like, seriously considering watching that? I believe it was free. Like a free screening. Even so. <laughs> I've turned down free screenings before. Yeah, I mean, 29% of Rotten Tomatoes. We, we made the right choice. For sure. But, um, yeah, so, you know, that the these movies are, that back to Eastwood stuff, largely, largely not good of late. But then, like, uh, oh, yeah, Sully I forgot we were talking about Clint Eastwood. I Tells you a little bit about Clint but then, like, But then, like, Sully will be way better than it should be. Yeah, like every now and then he'll have a, he'll have a winner, but there's so few and far between. I think as an actor, yeah, he doesn't have as much range, but like he's very good at what he does. As a director, yeah. I feel like that's only sometimes the case. So I think I go actor. That's fair. I guess I have to go director, but uh, under protest. And we'll wrap up on maybe the most interesting conversation I think we can have because there's been so many phases to one aspect of this career. Ben Affleck. <sighs> that is a that is an interesting one because i mean there's limited directing but there's only one film that's not at least very good i would argue three great films and one fair movie with um uh what the hell is it called live by night sign yeah live by night like totally fair like 
anonymous. Wait, hold on. Ma- gone Baby Gone, The Town, Live By Night. What else? Argo. Oh, Argo. Duh. You know, the one that won Best Picture. Um, I kind of feel like Argo is not as good as some of the other ones. <laughs> I've revisited it. I like it a lot. I, 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 I used to say he was getting better every time. And I think in certain aspects, every movie was better than the last until Live By Night. I do think that Gone Baby Gone and The Town are more ambitious, I think. Yeah, like, I, I still think The Town is his best movie. As a director, I think, I think it might he's... be. Because it's, it's also wildly entertaining. Well, it's very entertaining. It's a, It tells a very good version of the story it's telling. It feels, you know, the action filmmaking in it. Like, you see that movie and you get why Warner Brothers worked so hard to try and get him to direct a Batman movie for a while. Totally. It's actually a really interesting movie to watch. If anyone ever picks up the um, extended cut of the town. Because it's because it's got an infinitely better ending. Well, I mean, the ending's different. The ending, I like both endings. They're different. But there is that, like, interlude where he gets back on drugs for a little bit in the, in the extended cut. That's It's a whole different movie then. Yeah. But it also is a really interesting experiment in seeing, like, oh, Affleck's a good editor, too. I mean, he's not the editor. I think um, William Goldenberg is the editor. But, like, obviously, he's involved in the edit. Like, to make that choice to cut out, like, a pretty significant character moment in the third act is a... There's a seasoning there that I think... Nobody expected, in the same way that nobody expected Gone Baby Gone to be any good. It was a joke when he made it. Yeah. Like, uh, he's directing a movie and he can't even act and he has to get his little brother to act in the movie for him. And then the first wave of reviews is like, guys, this movie's great. <laughs> like, you know those like 70s detective movies we always say we like and never get anymore? He made a really good one. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, yeah. my opinion on Casey Affleck has kind of soured over the years, but it is a movie I think he's really good in. Uh, oh, yeah. I think, I think with Casey, you just have to be like i really like him as an actor as a person i have heard things to the contrary mm. but you know there's i you know that that was always a weird one too because there was like legal entanglements there that instead of like oh you're being sued it was we've already like adjudicated it so like no one can talk about it which i almost wonder if that made it worse like that maybe that was one of those things where like a, a good apology might have like helped along the way but also i think Casey Affleck might obviously might oddly be like completely fine being like kind of receded into the background for a while. Yeah, I can't really say. Uh, but yeah. to get, I know back he's to... making a bigger movie now. I don't remember what he's in, but he's making a big movie now. That's like his first one in a little bit. But yeah, back to Ben. Back to Ben. Um, he like obviously he has his sort of joke period as an actor, but like when he's good, he can be great. I still maintain oh, yeah. that not only should he have been nominated for Hollywood land, he should have won best supporting actor that year. He's excellent there. Um, I, even just last year, very, very good in, in, uh, in the tender bar. Very good. He's in good the tender in things bar, he directs. Amazing in the last duel. Um, totally. Um, I, I, he's welcome. Been, take your pants off. Yeah. When he's always been like, um, Robin Williams and uh, Matt Damon get a lot of the acting love for Goodwill Hunting. So I've always, in that. but I've always thought he was a standout in it, and he has that one oh, yeah, scene like, that's like one of the best acted scenes, you know, in film history, where he's like telling him, you know, every day I come hoping that you're not there. Um, yeah, he. Um, that feels like a little bit of like who he is as a person, like throughout the movie, the like wisecracking like fun guy but also like I'll, I'll beat your ass if you piss me off like that was that was i think the persona that he should have carried on with longer because it felt truer to 
who he was in a, in a, like in a positive way. I don't mean it as like he's a punk, but like trying to make him into a leading man. Yeah, I think, well, he had the same problem as like a Brad Pitt or a Colin Farrell, where he's a character yeah, actor yeah, in a leading man's body. Yeah, because you're attractive, we're going to try to put you as an action hero. We're going to try to make you. Th- and like, it's not necessarily that they can't do it, but, you know, there's a difference between putting him in paycheck and putting him in Batman. You know, he, he is not the reason that Zack Snyder's Batman efforts are rough. No. You know, he he's doing a good job. Paycheck was kind of doomed to failure. Some of those movies at that era were just never going to work because they were they were conceived as star vehicles as we were getting away from star vehicles. Yeah, exactly. To well, some degree, lot, he was a, a victim of movies that. from that era are very much that. Oh yeah, plenty of these of these actors. I think Brad Pitt even has some from that time. Tom Cruise is the only one who's really avoided that. Well, Mission Impossible Two kind of rides up on the edge of it. It was so close. The fact that that he um, how different his career would have been if that had been like okay we're kind of over you opening big movies what else you got well that was around the time that like you know ben stiller was like parodying him and doing the kicking impossible bit and like yeah it was kind of becoming an obvious thing well that's the thing he's affleck's best role is either plum supporting part or complicated leading man and yeah. those are not big movies. They at least they don't tend to be. Um, you know, like um, I, you know, I know, I know people's mileage varies on on the way back, but I think that's one of, his, if not his best performance. And that's not a role that he would have even been thought of at one point in his career. Yeah. But also, it's not a role I think he would do without having had some of the ups and downs of his career to make him be like, I got this character. I know, I know where they're coming from. Um, so that that I think I think you have to go actor, even though it's counterintuitive. Like everyone's like, oh, he's a great director and a fine actor. I think he's a very good actor who just, you know, fell victim to the Hollywood system for a little bit. Because who wouldn't? You know, I, you know, when you probably find out like like I, I've heard Kevin Smith talk about it, like, you know, nobody thought Daredevil was going to be amazing. But you, you hope for OK stuff and like someone who loves comic books and like was a comic book fan and always wanted to be a superhero. Like get to play one of those roles. I get to play one and you're paying me how much? Like, yeah, let's give this a shot. Let's see what happens. Like who wouldn't have, you know, most people would take those roles, especially then. Oh, absolutely. No, you can't begrudge him falling into that trap because so many people who have rebounded far less successfully than he has, uh, have sort of found themselves in that position. Oh yeah. Very few of his roles are indefensible. Which is, I think, an important distinction of like, especially when an actor goes through like a struggling period. Yeah. Like how many how many movies have absolutely no reason to exist? Were poor choices? Were you bad in? Like, there's not a lot of that. Even some of his just like absolute crap, he's not bad in. It's just there's a there's a sense of like, oh god, I don't think I should be in this. Right. You know, he's not making like a Sound of Thunder or something like that, where you're just like, oh, oh no. Like, yeah, what have you gotten yourself into? There's still like noble intentions. It's just that's that there was that error of like, but there's also think, that error think, of like saving Christmas and like Geely yeah. and like some of these really well, rough Geely, ones. Yeah, Geely was was you know a confluence of things. Yeah. Saving Christmas, I believe, was a well regarded script at one point. Obviously, crap movie, but I think again was not what is intended. The other one was um, Ghost of Girlfriends Past. That's Which not was, him, is it? That's uh, McConaughey. No, that was supposed to be him. That was the oh, interesting thing. Oh, okay. Well, so that ugh. was a, oh, that would have been. Yeah, I mean, that was a that was. 
that was a that was a big Miramax movie that they wanted Kevin Smith to make and they wanted him to be in. And then Oh, that would have been I don't so what, rough. <laughs> yeah. I think and I think they had rewritten it to be like a different movie. And then they had gone and wanted to make something else. And it sort of soured. That's when I think Affleck stopped making like Miramax movies a little earlier than Kevin Smith did. Like he soured on the way like negotiations went went down and was like, well, I'm not going to be held like hostage. So like, even then there was an element of making choices with some degree of knowledge about his career. Like I'll, I think the most like anonymous movie he ever made was maybe like Man About Town. Yeah. Which I'm sure you've never seen. No. <laughs> which I think is a Mike, which I think is a Mike Binder movie. It's okay. It's like a, like a struggling like Hollywood agent. Like, I don't know if he has like a, was it his like little black book? It was like his like burn book essentially got like into the wrong hands and everyone knows like the secrets of Hollywood type thing. I don't, I'm getting some of it wrong, but it was like a totally whatever two and a half star like character drama that just, but that's one of those ones. That's one of the few ones where you could tell him he was going like, I, I, I wish I had more options. Not that yeah. like Mike, I like Mike Binder as a filmmaker, but like the idea of like, I don't know that this is like, like when I do a smaller indie, like character drama, I want to be like all in, not this was the best role available to me right now. And I want it to work. Yeah. But all, all told, I think I'm still going to actor. So I think I'm actually going to go director. I think he is a great, actor. I thought you might, but I, I think he is a great actor, but as we've kind of gotten into, he's a great actor with qualifications like he's yeah. a great actor in specific settings and when he's great, he's great. But I think for me, even though live by night was kind of didn't quite come together. And even though I like his first two films more than Argo, I still think the sum total of his directing effort, I see a lot of limitations on him as an actor, whereas I see a lot of possibilities for him as a director. So That's fair. even and if I mean, it's more still... based on where he could go versus track record, I think I do still lean director. Yeah, and I believe he's getting set for a new uh, directorial effort. Well, I'll be excited. He oh, is he directing the the Nike movie with Matt Damon? That's what I'm double checking right now. I know he has a. There's like two or three movies with him and Damon. I want to say like, he the, and Damon like co-wrote it, and now he's about to direct it, and they're both going to act in it. I believe. Yep. The uh, where they're like he's playing Phil Knight. Yeah, where he's they're the pitching Nike to uh, Michael Jordan, right? Basically. Yeah. The Affleck, Damon, Jason Bateman, Viola Davis, Chris Tucker, Marlon Wayne's Christmas Cena. I'm in. Yeah, no, that sounds amazing. I'm I'm super into yeah. that. You know what? There's he another nearly... script that they had also. Yeah. Speaking of which, you know what he was attached to at one point that I really wish had gotten made? He was gonna do that like kind of David Fincher esque like take on like the story of the Monopoly money. Yeah. Like the McDonald's Monopoly one. scam he was gonna yeah, do. Yeah, the scam. Like, that would have been was that awesome. One. And then the other one he was going to direct I was interested in was, um, I think it was called The Trade. It was about, he and Damon were going to co-write it, he was going to direct it, and they were going to co-star. I don't remember if it was the 60s or the uh, the 70s, but two members of the Yankees' wife swapped. Oh, interesting. (laughs) Like, two noted Boston Red Sox fans. (laughs) They might have been able to pull that off when they were younger, but I don't know about now. Yeah. I mean, welcome, take your pants off. Yeah. They're, they're, they're both in the right the line, they should be, except Matt Damon needs to get off a of cryptocurrency. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, maybe he's losing some money over it. I don't know. Well-deserved well, of some. I know, <laughs> I know Robert's fuming about it. Rightly so. All right, let's wrap up. Say where you can be followed. And um, 
give me you know what are you a better actor or director oh god okay <laughs> there you go <laughs> oh all right <laughs> let me get introspective here for a second uh, well, you can it. find me on both Twitter and Letterboxd at Miles on Film. That's M-Y-L-E-S on Film. Please check out my short films, American Exorcist, where I direct, and Once Upon a Dracula, where I act. Uh, they're on YouTube under Aftershock Pictures and Chase Capo, respectively. Um, you know, you can read my uh, writing on Awards Radar and Looper. Got an article about RRR coming up for the latter that I'm pretty excited about. Um, am I a better director or actor? Um, (laughs) my inclination has probably been that I work better as an actor on stage where I have time to sort of like build a character and build a performance and sort of put the pieces together. Whereas on film, I feel like, you know, you gotta, you look at the lines, you run it a few times, then you just shoot it. And then that's what's preserved. I think, you know, in the right rehearsal environment or whatever, that can still work. But I think... It doesn't necessarily highlight my strengths as an actor, whereas Fair. behind the scenes, I think I feel more comfortable with the film world than I do with the theater world. So better actor on stage, better director on film is the simple answer. Way to get both in. Self-promotion. Yeah. I'll take it. Oh, yeah, totally. I'll take it. Um, if you're in the Albuquerque a- area, come see Unnecessary Farce at the Adobe Theater. There we go. I was waiting for that. Um, follow Awards Radar. At Awards Radar and all things social, follow me, Joy Magidson, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, all that stuff. Steve is on several things at Film Snork. Um, members of the team are available on multiple platforms. Um, I don't know who's on Facebook anymore. Almost all of our writers are on Twitter. See their bylines when their articles go up. Many of them are on Instagram. They are tagged when the articles go up. You can uh, follow those if you want. Um, we got some some more stuff coming up that's interesting we've been having some big uh big uh audience days recently so all you new fans hopefully who are listening welcome i'm sure this is exactly what you thought this was going to be and uh we'll be doing it again uh, next week so for now you know enjoy and uh you know hopefully there's no abysmally bad news between now and the next episode <laughs> but that's not super likely <laughs> so Hope for the best, prepare for the worst. We'll see you at the movies. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and to visit awardsradar.com for the best in awards and entertainment content. 